It's your Wednesday Daily Delivery. I am Michael Rand. Happy to have you guys back for another day. Good show coming up, as always. Ben Gessling, Vikings writer for the Star Tribune, joins me here in just a few minutes talking Vikings offseason moves they still have to make in the next week to become cap compliant before the start of the new league year. Legal tampering, my favorite uh, expression in the world, uh, because tampering implies that it's not legal, but legal tampering, where they can start negotiating with free agent starts in just five days from now. So a lot of work yet to be done, plenty of moves they can make. And as Ben and I will get into, the interesting thing is that seems like the Vikings want to make enough moves that they don't have to rely on a Kirk Cousins extension to get under the cap and do their free agency business. So that could mean a lot more work outside of quarterback because obviously Cousins extension would be an easy one to do, but they don't want to give him that leverage. And we will, we will see what ultimately they decide to do at quarterback, an interesting quarterback market developing with the Lamar Jackson news. And I'll get back to that in a little bit as well. That's some Gophers women's basketball news at the end of the show as well. Three key players who were freshmen on this year's team will be back next season. That was up in the air when Lindsey Whalen and the Gophers parted company uh, late last week. But those players coming back, I'll get into that at the end of the show as well. First, though, what did I miss? If you went to either the Timberwolves game or the Wild game on Tuesday in Twin Cities sporting venues, XL Energy Center and Target Center, Minneapolis, St. Paul, not necessarily in that order. You did not see a whole lot of offense. Um, Wolves lose 117 to 94 to the Philadelphia 76ers. One of those nights where 76ers, even without James Harden, um, pretty much in control of this game from kind of midway through the second quarter on. They had a burst there at the end of the first half when Anthony Edwards was off the court. And the, the Wolves just could not get any offense going without Ant. Ant was good in this game. I think he had 32. Nobody else supplied any sort of secondary offense in this game. And it really underscored the elephant in the room, which is it was a game that screamed out for Carl Anthony Towns. Carl Anthony Towns was sitting on the bench again, still trying to come back from that uh, that calf strain that's kept him out now since late November. Jim Suhan wrote about it. He was the next one in line to take a swing at what is going on here with the Wolves and Cat. It's been about 14 weeks since that injury. Still no real definitive timetable for return. Even Chris Finch asked about it again, talking about final stages. They've been in the final stages, it feels like, forever. Um, so, you know... It, it, again, Jim Jim talked about a lot of the same things that we've talked about here, where we'd like some transparency. If, if there's something untoward going on, if there's something, if there's some sort of rift developing, and that's why he's not back, well, it'd be nice to know about that. If they're just not being transparent because the injury is maybe a little bit more serious than we thought, then tell us that. Why not tell us that? Why is that have to be such a secret uh, in this case? And it's becoming a real frustration because. As well as the Wolves have done without Cat, they are above 500 without Cat. I believe they're now 24 and 22 since he got hurt. Pretty, pretty good for them to be above that mark without one of their best players. Um, as as well as they've done, they can only go so far without Cat at least this season, or without some sort of equivalent production that could come maybe this summer in a trade. Uh, we'll see about that. But as for right now. 
they are missing him in a lot of cases, especially this game. It was very apparent. Um, Joel Embiid was a dominant force in this game, as he often is. Cat not there in the middle to soak up some of that, you know, some of that defensive uh, assignment. Not there to provide that secondary scoring, and that's the thing that they've really missed in some of these games um, since, especially since the D'Angelo Russell trade. They can get by when they make shots. They can get by against a lesser defensive team or against some matchups. But if they're not making their shots, this team has a very hard time scoring without, you know, without Cat in the lineup, and then obviously with since the Russell trade with. Mike Conley Jr. being more of a facilitator, and I still think that deal was good in some cases. I still think that maybe that deal was made with a cat return in mind, and that still hasn't happened. So just the continuing frustration, especially in this game, against a very good Eastern Conference team. They've got a whole run of games against the Eastern Conference, which is the better conference this year, by the way. Um, So that will test them. And still no cat. 15 games left in the regular season, starting to get down to the time where you know, once he gets kind of full clearance or once he's finally back, he's going to need some acclimation time. What is he even going to look like when he's back on the court? I don't know. Is he coming back at all this season? I've been skeptical about that for over a month. We will see where this is headed, but they missed his offense on Tuesday night and it really showed. Now the Wild, no excuses. They went and got a whole bunch of new forwards, some of them in the lineup the other night against uh, against Calgary. 0-0 after 60 minutes of regulation play. The Wild had chances. The Wild missed chances. It felt like a playoff game with how many chances the Wild were missing. Um, And again, hard to quibble with the overall result. They still at least get a point. Almost got two points. Had a goal disallowed in overtime after Jared Spurgeon was deemed offsides in a zone entry on a play that resulted in a rebound goal. So a frustrating night for the Wild. None of their new players could get any offense going or could at least generate a goal at least Philip Gustafson gets another shutout even though he ends up you know on the losing end of the shootout and again the Wild were close to getting a point in that shootout too getting that extra point in the shootout they had uh, they were down to that final shooter for Calgary but that that puck went in and then Calgary got the next one so they end up winning the shootout Still another point. The Wild extend that point streak. They're, they're going well right now. I think it's 10 games in a row now with at least a point. Um, but you would like to see, after all of those moves Bill Guerin made at the deadline, somebody be able to put the puck on the puck in the net in one of those lines. That is disappointing. Kind of goes to show their style right now maybe still is not terribly conducive to offense. They're getting points. They're, they're, they're doing what they need to do defensively, so you can't quibble with it. Um, maybe just one of those nights for them where it just wasn't producing but that's frustrating. You're going to have to score a little bit more. You're not going to be able to win a game with zero in the playoffs once you get there. So we will see about that. Maybe just a one-off, a frustrating night, and we'll see if they were able to rebound from that going forward. Take a playcation to Mystic Lake. With 24-7 gaming, the good times never have to end. And you can satisfy your cravings at our restaurants and bars. Or relax in one of our luxurious hotel rooms. Those that play together, stay together. And don't forget to join Club M so you can spark new memories and bask in the rewards along the way. Follow the lights to Mystic Lake, where every day is play day. Been a little while since Ben Gessling was on daily delivery. It's been a little while since the Vikings played a game, so it makes some sense. But we are in the offseason, the thick of salary cap time. Um, and this is this is, you know. Ben writes good game stories. He writes really good feature stories, everything like that. But one of his times to shine is when we get into all the 
numbers of this. So I wanted to have Ben on now um, to to talk through what the Vikings have to do in the next week or so to make themselves not only compliant, but set up for the future. Um, ben, how you doing? I'm doing well, Mike. It's uh, time to crunch some numbers. It's the, the one time a year I <laughs> dust off that accounting degree and actually right? put it so um yeah looking forward to to chatting um cap stuff here it's yeah it's the, the time of year where i tend to uh, put my nerdy hat on and, and get to work and we ask the question that we ask right here where's the money brzezinski yes ben pretends to be but plays amateur rob brzezinski a little bit uh, the vikings capologist he's been at that for a long time and it, ben i don't i think people look at the Vikings cap number, and it was about $23 million over the cap before they made the Eric Kendricks move earlier in the week. Now it's down to about $15. Um, they, you know, there, there's a lot of ways to do this. Um, you know, there's plenty of things they they still can do and will do in the next week. Um, to me, what's interesting, and we talked about this on Access Vikings a little bit on Monday, to me what's interesting is when you look at this, I think some of what they do in the next week and even beyond, because all, all they have to do is be compliant by the start of the league year. Yep. But what they do kind of in the next week or two, how far they get under the cap might tell us something about Kirk Cousins too. Not so much exactly what's going to happen with him long-term, but, but Ben, the fact that they can get under the number without having to do anything with Cousins or it looks like they could, that yeah. seems significant to me. It is, I think. Uh, first of all, shout out Big Lebowski. I think 25 years this week, right? Yes, 25 years this week was the uh, U.S. release, I believe. I just yeah. uh, I read the, uh, I think uh, Randball Stu posted the uh, Roger Ebert kind of review of it in retrospect. It was, it was a spectacular read, very interesting. But Yeah, uh, yes. I should go back and read that because I'm sure, no, I mean, nobody got it at the time. And, and the the one to... that he wrote was more like, 10 or 15 years later. So it was okay. kind of like after it had been kind of canonized to a certain degree right. or developed the cult following. So it was, it was a fun read. All right. I'll have to go back and check that out. But at any rate, um, I digress. Yeah. They can get a lot of this done with a few moves that would not require them to do what they've had to do in the past, which is come to the table with cousins and say, Kirk, we need your help to get under the cap because Cousins has been willing to do that, but it has not been by reducing his salary. It has been through contract extensions right. that usually result in a signing bonus for him. And the contract is a lower cap number in the first year, but then you have to come back to the table because that number hits and gets bigger later in the deal. So his right to do it. He's been a consistent NFL starter and that has a lot of leverage at his position. So I mean, the Derek Carr deal that we saw this week is yeah. we'll get into that, but that is another example of what you have to pay to have a consistent starting quarterback. So I, my sense at the combine was that they are waiting to get some of their other stuff done first before they do a Cousins deal. Now, how long do they wait to do a Cousins deal? Uh, is that next week? Is that sometime this summer? Is that next offseason? Is that the 12th of never? Um, yeah. I think all of those are possibilities. I I do think Kevin O'Connell likes him and I think wants him to be the quarterback. Um, I I don't know what type of a commitment they would make and what type of length it would take. So I, I think they are trying to get a lot of their other stuff done such that they don't have to come to the table in a leveraged position with Cousins, kind of like what we talked about yesterday. And they can do it. I mean, just looking at, and numbers and, and playing around with things over the cap has a, 
a super helpful um, calculator for these things. And if you figure out how to use it, I mean, there's some of the, the shorthand that you have to type in in terms of how to make it all work. But yeah, it's, it's a resource I use and I get numbers from a couple other different sources as well to kind of verify things. But um, just to play around with cap stuff this type of year, I I tend to, to go in there and, and fiddle with numbers a fair amount. And if you basically, if you restructure Harrison Smith so that you, well, I should say reduce his salary, you would probably, the number I threw in there is, yeah, I cut his base salary by $7 million, So he's still got the $7.7 million base number and then some bonus stuff. But that takes $7 bucks out of his cap figure for this year. Convert some of Brian O'Neill's money to a signing bonus. Nothing crazy, but you clear $4 million there, I believe. Uh, cut Zedarius Smith, cut Adam Thielen, cut Jordan Hicks. That gets you to $16.2 million of cap space right there, and that's saying nothing about uh, what you do with Dalvin Cook, a, an extension for TJ Hawkinson possibly, Dalvin Tomlinson, if he gets a new deal, that would lower his cap number for this year possibly, or at least um, would make that dead, that void money not as big of a deal. You could do something with Daniil Hunter, I mean, there are a number of levers to pull independent of the ones I just mentioned, and that's not even getting to Cousins. So yeah. I think it is certainly feasible for them to be north of $20 million, maybe even $25 million of cap space by next week without doing anything with Cousins' deal. So if you wanted to do that and then say, let's play it out with Kirk and let's See if we go draft somebody. Let's see how the year goes. I mean, the the risk you have of that, of course, is he goes out and has a great year and you're heading towards free agency and you say, well, we want you to be here. And it's, well, okay, then it's going to cost you. But they do have ways, I think, to leave that option open for themselves if they decided to do it. I, I wouldn't be stunned at all if they said, you know what, let's get something done and let's do a deal that gives us some flexibility, but also gives you some of the security you're looking for. But if they decided not to do that, I think they have enough options so that they're not completely beholden to that as their only way out of their cap box. Yeah, and that's interesting. And that's interesting because, like you said, if they could get to twenty, twenty-five million under left, that's not a bonanza to spend in free agency. And you've still got to account for draft picks. You've got to account. You got to you, you got to replace some of the players that you just talked yeah. about cutting. Um, and a Dalvin Tomlinson deal would. You know, like you said, that that gives you a certain amount of flexibility. That's dead money coming off. They can get that done in the next week. But um, how much how much would you say a team generally wants or needs going into free agency? Say, assuming they're not, you know, in the market for a quarterback, which the Vikings presumably aren't right now, and, and don't have a huge like big ticket item that they have to spend. Like, what what would they need to be able to feel like they could address some of their issues? Do you think? Well, you know, I, I think for context here too we are talking about the Vikings having a lot of cap issues and they do, they have, I think the seventh most space they need to clear before the beginning of the year. But this is not a year where teams have tons of money to spend. If they had say they get to 25 million and this is where we sit right now, there are going to be other teams that do other things before the start of the league year, but 25 million right now would put them one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eighth in cap space in the league. So there are a lot of teams that are in this boat and here's why think back to 2020. Nobody's in the stands. There are, are no local revenues for teams when people aren't going to games because of COVID. So the cap was going to drop precipitously in 2021 because the cap is basically a reflection of the league revenues. The, The union gets a, 
a portion of the league revenues, and that's how the salary cap gets set. So the cap was going to drop because the revenues dropped in 2020, but teams had done all these contracts, including the Vikings, not knowing that a worldwide pandemic was going to shut fans out of games and all of the money that fans would spend on tickets and concessions and and, and the like from teams' pockets. So as a result of that, they said, we aren't going to lower the cap as much as the revenues would suggest that we should have had to do in 2021 because there are going to be way too many teams that have to cut way too many players. That's not good for anybody. So they did their TV deals, which are going to continue to send the cap skyrocketing. But rather than making the big drop for 2021 and then sending it spiking back up in 22, 23, they said, we'll take a smaller drop in 21 and we'll be a little more gradual in our increases the next couple of years. So you still have teams that are, are trying to kind of navigate around the ceiling, not being as high as it could be given all the new money. But what you're going to see in the next few years is the cap is going to go up quite a bit because now they will have paid back the losses from 2020 and all of that TV money on these new deals will fully hit the cap and you'll see it spike quite a bit. So this is, I think, sort of the last year that you're going to see teams have to do as many of these gymnastics. I mean, you know, the Vikings, the way they're constructed with with if you have cousins here and then you eventually do a Justin Jefferson deal and you have some veterans, they will have some some challenges relative to the market because if the cap goes up, then there's more money to spend and everybody's salaries go up and things get more expensive. But overall, I think after this year, the whole picture is going to be a lot less dire for a lot of teams. And it does mean that this year getting to $25 million of cap space to spend may get you enough to make a a few moves, maybe get a couple of your veterans back that you want and go get a couple of other starters on the free agent market. And you go from there. So I, I think it's a functional amount of space and they could probably make it more than that if they wanted. But I don't think this is as dire as we might look at it being otherwise. And, and all of this, too, we should mention is they, they've planned for all of this. We of we sit here and say, oh, what are they going to do? They already know. I mean, oh, they, yeah. they plan this stuff two, three years out. Um, you know, Adolfo Mensa said at the combine last week, it's not like you get here and say, oh, new problems. I mean, they, they've talked through all this. They know what they're going to do for the most part in a general sense, what they want to, how they want to approach the cap. And, and now it's just a matter of, turning dials and and making moves as a result of it. Well, and you make a good point about the cap going up. I mean, over the cap, this is just, these are estimates, but you and I talked before we started recording, those are generally pretty good estimates. They're saying saying the cap's going to go up $35 million in 2024 to 256, and then another 26 each of the next two years after that. We could be talking about a cap of 308 million, certainly over 300 million by 2026, that's 87 million more than it is right now. That's a pretty substantial increase. That's the yeah. TV money like you talk about hitting. Like so backloading these contracts and kind of doing deals like that isn't necessarily the worst thing in the world. Now you don't want to do it with everybody because then you're going to suddenly then you can't do what you want to do by 2026. You run out of money, but there is some future flexibility here that we need to take into account. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, that is going to be the picture for the foreseeable future because these were 10-year deals that the league did with the TV companies, including Amazon, which be, which got in the mix in 2021. And you now have Google, I believe, buying um, Sunday Ticket to go on YouTube TV. So when you get yeah. companies like that with that amount of cash coming into things, that a portion of that goes to the players in 
the in the the means of the salary cap going up. So you are going to see continued increases in the cap as a result of the NFL's enduring popularity and the TV contracts that seem fairly impenetrable. It, it's it's strange to say that watching all of the other stuff that goes on with RSNs and other sports. Yeah. And, you know, we, we've kind of, I remember 10 years ago, we talked about all live sports is the last appointment TV and you saw yeah. all of these teams. I mean, I remember when I was covering baseball, all of these teams were doing, I mean, the Dodgers did this huge RSN deal. And that was a lot of cash that they were able to kind of turn to the Yankees of the West. Those, that bubble seems to be breaking a little bit. Yes. The difference for the NFL, of course, is there's only 17 games. All the TV contracts are national. Yep. It still is like the must see thing on TV. And I know the league probably looks at this and says, well, younger fans aren't watching games to the same degree. They're not engaging with things for as long or as enthusiastically. They have to figure all those things out. But for now, um, the NFL is king. And the king is uh, seems like he will be on his throne for a, a bit yet. Yes. And Ben, can you imagine having a quarterback on a rookie scale contract when your cap is <laughs> over $300 million. You can do a lot uh, with, with that. So that, you know, that's another piece of the consideration. How, how, even if they like Kirk cousins, how long do they like him and how, you know, what does even the, the framework of a, of a possible extension look like? Are they comfortable with something like what Derek Carr just got, which is functionally a two year, $70 million extension with, you know, some penalties. If you wanted to move on from year after year two, but certainly after year three, you're in good shape. But, you know, that's Cousins playing. You know, if you if you did that and that was a three-year extension, then you're suddenly talking about, you know, talking about a lot of years. He's he's older than Derek Carr by, you know, two and a half years. I don't know. What 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 do you think they think is fair if they're going to try to do a Cousins extension? And does that line up with what Cousins wants? Well, okay. So, Kwesi Adolfo Mensa said last week at the Combine, we – would prefer not to have a young quarterback have to come in and play right away. Yeah. So is that a year? Is that two years? I mean, you know, the Packers sweet spot seems to be sitting for three yeah. and then putting their guy in. And that may be a little long for the liking of of some. Um, it's not the same thing of we have to dispatch a Hall of Fame quarterback that has been here forever and has won Super Bowl. Right. So there's a little bit less of that dynamic here but say it's it's two years so that you do something like what you do with car and you can basically get out of it reasonably after two and and really reasonably after three i mean i'm sure the vikings would like that that because then if you draft somebody this year you have at least a year probably two for that player to sit if you waited until next year and you said we want to do three more years with cousins functionally you have two years for that player to sit. So you could go that route. The question I think is what does cousins want to sign? Uh, does he want to sign a deal that puts more of the leverage back in the Vikings hands than they've had in the entire time they've been working with him? He's had, he's had the leverage really the entire time because he was the rare starting caliber quarterback that made it to the open market right. and had bidding for his services. That just doesn't happen very often. So he came into it with that working in his favor in 2018 and has used that in his subsequent deals. And I think has enjoyed it having that kind of leverage. So does he want to do something like that where 
the guarantees eventually run out and you're sitting there looking at, well, okay, teams can save a lot of money if they cut me and there's not really the dead money thing that's quite as prohibitive, especially if we have a rookie quarterback and the cap keeps going up, they'll say we can live with that and they'll get rid of me. Um, he could do that. I mean, he he could say I'm not a fan of that type of a deal. But I also think if you said we are functionally going to guarantee that you're the starter, let's say until you're 38. Um, you know, I, I can I'm sure fans would say I, I don't know that I want that that long. But let's just for the sake of argument for the moment, say that that's what they did. I don't get the sense that he wants to play until he's 45. No, I mean, he's he's talked about wanting to play long enough that his kids remember it. His kids are are getting old enough now. I think they'll have some memories of it. I, I'm sure he wants to play a little bit longer yet. But if you said 38, 39, somewhere in there, I I I could see him saying, okay, that's that's enough. I've I've had enough at that point. I'm I'm good. I'm I've made enough money. I'm ready to retire. I'm ready to go be a dad and move on with the rest of my life. Um I don't know that he would would balk at that. Um the terms on on which you get there may be the question in terms of I'm sure he'd love to be able to orchestrate his exit and say, I'm I'm hanging it up. I don't want to have you know the team kind of squeezing me out the door and saying right. I have to retire because they may cut me and I don't like the way that looks optically. You know, all of that's gonna come into this, I think. But you know, I I I don't think you're looking at a guy that wants to play another seven years or something like that. So there may be a way to keep everybody happy that gives the Vikings some flexibility that you can use Cousins a little bit as a bridge and get somebody else developed under Kevin O'Connell, maybe under under Kirk Cousins even, and give Cousins what he wants where he's finishing his career in Minnesota because that is what he wants to do. There's no doubt about that. He he likes it in Minnesota has liked the fit with the team, certainly, especially now that this regime right. is here. Um, I, I think there's a way to make that happen. I guess the question is, how good do you feel about him as a starter? Well, yeah. At the time, and how quick well, do you want to move on to somebody else? Well, that's the other side of the equation, because it's not just about money with him. It's always been a question of what's the ceiling? Like, can you win at a high level with Kirk Cousins? You know, last year yeah. helped going 13 and four, even if, some of that is not sustainable. He made the playoffs for the second time here. Um, they, you know, they won the playoff game in 2019. But you know, one playoff win in five years yeah. is not, you know, if you're trying to talk yourself into man, there, there's a Super Bowl possibility in the next three years. If that's your ultimate goal, and you think you have, if you think you start want to start working toward that, like, is is Cousins really the guy that you want? to be here for the next three or four years. I don't know. It, it, it's still, yeah. it's a question of what they believe in, I guess, at this point too, not just the money. Yeah. And the other thing to remember here is that if you did a deal like that, you have another regime functionally tying its fate to cousins. Yes. Supplements and Kevin O'Connell are heading into year two of their deals. Um, you know, let's say they have four year deals. I, I think that's what they are. I, I don't know that hundred percent for sure. Um, but that's that's my educated guess based on a couple conversations. Um, so don't take that to the bank, aggregators. But yes, yes. Let's say for the sake of argument, it's four years. Um, they're heading into year two of that already, and it, it gets late early in NFL contracts, as Yogi Berra, uh, that great NFL contract analyst, might say. So if you said we're going to sign Cousins that long, you have to be comfortable with the idea that we are tying our fortunes to this guy 
uh, tying our chance for our own contract extensions and our own job security to Kirk Cousins in a lot of ways. And do you feel good enough about that to go that far with him? Or do you say, well, we, we want to get off this train rather than assuming he's going to still be as productive at 37, 38, and assuming that you can win and build a roster that needs a lot of parts when you're still paying a quarterback that much. Cause that's the other piece of this whole thing too, is you yes. mentioned the rookie deals with a rising cap, the rookie deals for a quarterback. If you find one that's good, really are a cheat code because yes. getting, I mean, you see it, Derek Carr, the new deal is 37 and a half million dollars a year. That is the going rate for serviceable An probably average to average. maybe slightly average to slightly above average quarterback a right, guy that's right. probably 14th or 15th in the league right yes i mean that's the going rate so if you can get a guy in here for a few years that's making five five or ten yeah if you're high pick yeah huge yeah. surplus um yeah i mean let's call it 10 if it's a high pick that's a huge surplus so that's a lot of money you can spend on other things and you see a lot of teams use that to great effect and have made Super Bowl runs. I mean, you know, you think of the Rams the first time with Jared Goff. You think of the 49ers. Garoppolo had a yeah. deal, I think, in, in somewhere in there. But um, Mahomes, Mahomes early, early on. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Burrow. I mean, I mean yeah. Yep. Yeah. They, I mean, you've seen a lot of teams use that to their advantage. And even the Eagles with Jalen Hurts. I mean, it's, it's yeah, pretty much everybody. No it's, yeah. No it's, yeah. That's, I mean, that's just the, in some ways, like Cousins is job security because you're probably not going to be worse than around 500. And if you're not worse than that, you're you've always still got a chance to make the playoffs. It's an easier sell to say, yeah, next year we can get better if we do this and this. So you also have owners that like to be in the mix every year. They don't like big rebuilds and they tend yes. to be uh, in favor of stability. Yes. So if you are competitive, that may be enough. Yeah. Well, the interesting thing, we'll let you go. The interesting thing is that they have enough that they can do without having to do this first. So they can take some of that leverage back. And that's something they haven't really had. And I think that's a smart thing to do. So you're not forced to do a deal that you don't want to do just to be able to get your business done. Yeah. Yeah. And and that's really been the other thing too here is that you in the past have had a GM and a coach that needed to win to save their jobs. They did not yeah. have enough leeway to say, let's go do the big rebuild. Let's drop the quarterback and kind of start over. Uh, the extent to which a new regime has that given kind of what we just said about the Wilfs not kind of functionally being in favor of rebuilds. That's a question too. I mean, will the, would the Wilfs have the stomach for let's do the big rebuild and, and let's go get a young guy in here and, and go from there. That's part of the equation, but you're also not sitting here with a coach and a GM where it's, well, okay. Uh, you guys have been here six, seven, eight years together, and we don't have a lot to show for it. And you need to win big now, or you're gonna lose your jobs. They have a little more leeway than that. Not, you know, like I say, it's not a ton, but I also don't know that the Wilfs want to be paying another round of buyouts anytime no. soon. So, no. I mean, you figure those four year contracts, if, if you know, say the four year window, I, I shouldn't say four year contract officially. Yeah. yeah. Say it's a four year window, they've still got enough time to work through that. They have to kind of plan ahead on some of it, but they also don't have to sit here and say, we have to win in 2023 or we're going to be out the door. So yeah. they, they can finesse it probably a little more than Spielman and Zimmer could. Well, how they go about it, you know, in the next week, what, what other moves they have to make and will make before 
the league year starts. That'll be interesting how far they go. And, and what ultimately happens with Kirk Cousins is an annual question, it seems, but more interesting this year, probably more nuanced than maybe it has been in the past. So we'll see where that goes. Ben, appreciate you putting your salary cap hat on again. Maybe we'll do it one more time or so uh, a little bit down the road once some of these things are more concrete. I'm sure we'll do more Access Vikings podcasts very soon as well. Uh, ben, have a good rest of your day. We'll see you soon. All right, Mike, there is always time to put the salary cap hat on. So it's it's sitting here ready to go anytime you need it. <laughs> we know where the money is. Thanks, Ben. Thanks. Hope you enjoyed that conversation with Ben Gessling. Postscript to that, in a couple of cases, quarterback market getting set. Daniel Jones signs a reported four-year deal with the Giants, $160 million, including $82 million guaranteed. Daniel Jones, of course, the quarterback who knocked the Vikings out of the playoffs, a mobile quarterback, um, a good running quarterback, had a big day against the Vikings, had a good season in 2022. But if that is the going rate for a quarterback, and again, Daniel Jones, a different quarterback than Kirk Cousins, younger, more mobile, things like that, kind of on the upswing, whereas we know where Kirk Cousins' ceiling is. But if that's the, that's the going rate, I don't think Daniel Jones is one of the best QBs in the league. I don't think people would say that. If that's the going rate, you got to convince me that this is the right thing to do, that it's some kind of extension is the right thing. I still don't know about that. Um, Lamar Jackson, by the way, with Baltimore, like I said at the beginning, they put the non-exclusive franchise tag on him, meaning other teams are free to try to pry him away from the Ravens, maybe work out a deal. Interesting decision by Baltimore. You keep seeing the Vikings on these list of 12, 16 teams that could make a run at uh, at 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 Lamar Jackson. I you know, I I, I I that's pretty far fetched to me. It'd be pretty it'd be pretty interesting to see if they got into that conversation if they took a big swing like that. Just doesn't seem like that's that's the kind of market they're in right now. But that would be interesting. But bigger picture, interesting shakeup. Someone like Lamar Jackson does not usually come available. Baltimore still has the right to match any offer, things like that. So not saying he's going to leave Baltimore, but that that obviously got contentious enough that that's what they felt like they had to do to keep Lamar Jackson at that Tuesday deadline for franchise tenders. So we will see where that goes. We will see where the Vikings wind up with any kind of pursuit there. That would obviously involve not keeping Kirk Cousins, trading Kirk Cousins in some fashion. I don't know. It feels complicated for me to think about something like that, especially with Lamar Jackson making so much, commanding so much money. You're going to have to pay Justin Jefferson. If you're going to move on from Kirk Cousins, it does feel like to me the smarter course of action is to draft somebody to work that route to try to get younger and cheaper at that position and go from there. But no doubt, Lamar Jackson, if you brought him in somehow, some way, that would be a Super Bowl caliber quarterback to pair with Justin Jefferson. That's the kind of quarterback that wins these days, even if he is expensive. So a lot of intrigue in the NFL. Aaron Rodgers meeting with the Jets reportedly right now, getting permission, those sides getting permission to try to get something done there. So a lot to watch for with quarterbacks, including Kirk Cousins, in the next several days. Let's finish with the cooler. Gophers women's basketball got some very good news um, all the all the players, all the key players from this team who you thought might leave with the departure of Lindsey Whalen, turns out they are staying or plan to return at least. Our Kent Youngblood getting a hold of Mara Braun, Mallory Heyer, and Nia Holloway, all of them saying they plan to return to the Gophers next season. Braun telling Kent that the news that Whalen would be replaced as coach was difficult and disappointing. Nobody wants to lose their coach. That was hard, but I had to decide what's best for me. I believed I wanted to finish what I came here to do. 
um, higher, basically saying the same thing. Uh, Holloway was injured last season. She had, she had, uh, she's been rehabbing her knee. She said, I've been talking with family a lot. We've come to the decision that I'm going to stay. So there you go. Um, still waiting to find out what Amaya Battle might do, plus a lot of other key players who aren't freshmen still, uh, you know, still making their decisions. Um, Braun did say Whalen urged her players to stay with the program. Braun's the big one, um, by the way. She, she had the best freshman season of, of all those players, had double-figure points 22 times, had 20 or more points eight times reading from Kent's story. So good news for the Gophers. Maybe they know something about who the incoming coach is because that's got to that's gotta be a part of this decision, even if they are all local players who want to play for the Gophers. Maybe they know who is going to be coaching them next season, even if that isn't public yet, because the tournament is about to start. I wonder about that. I wonder how close to a higher we are and how soon that will happen once teams start getting eliminated from NCAA tournament play next week. We will see about that. We'll see about everything else. Big news for the Gophers, though, that all three of those players are coming back, keeping some of that young core intact, at least even with the departure of Lindsey Whalen. That'll do it for me today. Lavelle E. Neal will be on Thursday's show, columnist for the Star Tribune. Going to get into a bunch of stuff with him. I'll try to avoid Kirk Cousins. He hates when I talk Kirk Cousins with him. But we're getting down to that time. I might have to sneak it in, Lavelle. Might have to sneak it in. We'll see. Hope you enjoyed today's show. Back at it again tomorrow.